a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And of course, uh, we are dealing with the uh, effects of the drought, and that impacts uh, all of those who get our food and fiber uh, to our homes and businesses uh, across the state and around the country and the world. And so we want to take a deeper dive into what does that mean? What does this drought mean to those in agriculture, those in uh, farms? So we talked about our farmers will not retreat. They'll only advance. And uh, so we wanted to get the the head advance man, uh, Ron Gibson, uh, who's affectionately known as the milkman, fifth generation dairy farmer out of Weaver County. And he is the head of the Utah Farm Bureau Federation and a great friend of the show. Ron, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. So as we as we look at the drought, uh, we we know we're just still early in the spring here. But how how is that already impacting our farmers, and uh, what are they doing to to kind of prepare as we start marching towards uh, the summer and and the dry days of fall? Well, uh, when I, you know, one of the things I get to do is I get to be around farmers and ranchers all over the state, and some of the older uh, producers are telling me that it's as dry as they've ever seen it. Mm. Um, I had a rancher tell me this week that that they didn't even have their grass greening up for the spring down where they were in southern Utah. And so it is it is an extreme situation this year for sure. Wow. And so uh, tell us a little bit about what, uh, what have farmers done uh, over the years in terms of uh, obviously trying to get more yields with less material, less uh, supply of things like water. Uh, what What has been done and what do we need to be doing now? Well, you know, as our state as our state was developed, um, you know, when the pioneers came, they developed really nice water systems, and over time, those have developed into some nice reservoirs, and we have nice uh, storage facilities throughout the state, particularly in the in the northern part of the state, and um, basically, as as the population in Utah has grown, we Farmers and ranchers have, have conserved water. We, we've implemented um, a lot of practices by piping ditches, by by moving from flood irrigation to sprinkler irrigation. Um, one of the things we're doing now is we're we're adjusting the nozzles on our sprinkler irrigation systems so that there's much less much less evaporation. Um, we're doing drip irrigation now most of our vegetables in the state are grown with drip irrigation so the water doesn't even come up into the air it just seeps out into the into the dirt by the plant and none of it runs off the field um it's pretty awesome that way so 
farmers and ranchers have done a really good job, in my opinion, of of conserving and doing the best they can to optimize the water use in the state of Utah. Oh, that's great. And so as it relates to the, the policy portion, I, I, the farmers are always going to figure it out. They're always going to innovate. The ranchers are gonna, always going to innovate uh, where, because that's how they just get things done uh, as part of why we love them. Uh, they are the ultimate entrepreneurs. We, have, we often don't give them credit for being entrepreneurs, but our farmers and ranchers are big-time entrepreneurs. Uh, my uh, my wife's father uh, was uh, had apple orchards up in the uh, state of Washington, and, man, he was a he was an entrepreneur and an innovator. Uh, but but let's shift now, uh, Ron, and let's talk about the policy side of this, uh, both the state level, the federal level. Uh, what are some of the things that you hope to see happen that can be helpful to farmers as we move through this drought? Well, um, you know, that's a great question. And as we, as we move forward, one thing to understand is that even in the state of Utah today, agriculture owns still 80% of the water in the state. So that means that even though we think the state has, has developed a lot, you know, agriculture is still the main holder of this water. And, and it's still 22% of the state's GDP. So it's, it's, agriculture is a very, very, very important part of the economy in the state of Utah, even today. And it's very important for us that we, when we think about water policy, that we think about the future of Utah. And if we want to have open space and we want to have locally grown food, which is important to me, and I think it's important to most Utahns, we have to make sure that we have enough water to grow that food. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to say, it's easy to say, well, you know, we can get it, we can get it just somewhere else. Somebody else can grow our food, but that's not always the case. And we found that out last year during COVID. Yeah. When we walked into the grocery store and the shelves were empty, right? So when when we talk specifically about policy, one of the challenges that we have is in state water law today, basically you have to use the water or you lose it. And so many of our agricultural producers are concerned that if they don't, you know, if we conserve the water and we use less of our right, then we're going to lose that right. And it's it's like saying if you don't go out and and uh, run around in your backyard every day, somebody your next door neighbor can come take your yard, and um, it's a flawed system in the way that 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 makes it so that it doesn't incentivize producers to conserve the water in that way. You shouldn't lose the water if you conserve it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, that's critical in terms of those kinds of changes. We we see that in so many areas. I, I did not know that applied uh, to water. It's uh, sort of the way a lot of the federal government functions in terms of dollars. If you don't use them, you lose them and you get less next time. And right. so it, it doesn't yep. really promote the best kind of behavior. We're sort of rewarding the bad behavior rather than the good behavior. Uh, just yeah. uh, we got about a minute to go, Ron, and uh, just wanted to say, ask, have you share, you know, what's the most important thing for for Utah citizens to know uh, and to be doing as it relates to water that impacts, again, our farmers and ranchers? Well, let me just tell you this. Um, <coughs> last, like two weeks ago, when it got really warm in the state, we lost in the northern region 25 percent of our snowpack in one week. And none of that water went into the reservoirs. It all went into the dirt. That's how dry the mountains were. 
So there is very little water. This crisis this year, I know we talk about drought all the time. It is very serious this year. Please, please, please conserve the water. I think every person in their yard can make a big difference. Take your sprinklers another day. Do the kind of things. Make those little sacrifices so that we can have the things that are really important to us. Yeah, fantastic. Great insight as always. Ron Gibson, uh, who is the head of the Utah Farm Bureau Federation and uh, just uh, one of the great Great supporters of our farmers and ranchers and uh, things that happen. Again, 20% of, uh, of what happens here in the state, uh, GDP-wise, is through our farmers and ranchers, and they are so critical. And as Ron mentioned, uh, so vital, especially when supply chains get broken or uh, we have things like pandemics. Uh, having that close to home uh, really does matter. Ron, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to look ahead just a little bit. Coming up this weekend, the Utah Republican Party will have their organizing convention, the last for Chairman Derek Brown. He'll be with us next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.